In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Around the time we all begin kindergarten, we start learning songs like A, B, C, D, E, F, G to learn the letters of the alphabet. So clinging to that same kind of methodology, when a student enters a biblical language class at seminary, they might be exposed to Aleph, bet, bet, gamel, dalet, hey. A similar type of rendition for the Hebrew alphabet, or a more frantic recitative of the Greek alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, and so on and so forth. Professors draw on these earlier forms of learning to attempt to create a fun learning environment, to help ease someone into learning something new, learning one letter, one word, one phrase at a time. Amazing, awesome, and so much fun, right? Well, kind of, but learning another language is hard really hard. You take a deep dive into a million word combinations. You plunge yourself into a seemingly infinite sea of words and ideas, and you get to a point where you don't know which end is up. Like when you are tasked with doing a translation from Greek to English of Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And the Greek literally said, and I'll spare you the Greek, I'll do it in English, but the Greek reads this way. And having entered he into the boat, followed him, the disciples of him. And you're supposed to translate it saying, and when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. It gets hard. There's words in English we have to put in, but they're not there. This is where a good teacher comes in. My own professor told us that learning a language means you have to enter into a new worldview. You have to reside there. You have to work really hard and live into this worldview of the language, and one day, a light bulb goes on, and the penny drops, and your thoughts line up, and it finally makes sense. But what you have to do initially is work hard and keep going. You're very near to getting this. You're very near to mastering something that will be invaluable as you study the Bible. You're very near to it. But learning something new, like a language, is hard. And today we have a scribe, a scribe of the Sadducees, the Jewish elite, intellectuals, witnessing an exchange with Jesus. An exchange so impressive that he dares to ask, which commandment is first of all? And Jesus begins by reciting the Torah, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And then he adds, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the scribe is so impressed with Jesus, and he agrees with him and expands on his teaching. The scribe gets it, getting it so much that Jesus eventually says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The scribe has entered Jesus's worldview. You are not far from entering the kingdom of God. This is not something that Jesus has said very often to Peter, James, or John, but he's saying it to this guy right now. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And as the story tells us, no one asked Jesus any more questions, at least not then. Jesus is at the height of his teaching. He is in Jerusalem, and he's taught and spoken in parables, and he's been misunderstood and dismissed, but today the person who questions Jesus gets it, and he's a member of the elite. This is a triumph of Jesus' perseverance and all that he has done thus far in his life and ministry. Think about it. A Galilean answering questions from a scribe of the Sadducees in Jerusalem and is being told, you are right. And so right that the scribe actually expands further upon what Jesus is saying. This is a triumph. And for today, the readings call us to be in this space. Even though we might know what is to come later in the story of Jesus, for this very moment, for today, we get to feel a little triumphant alongside Jesus and alongside this scribe. The kingdom of God is very near, very near. All of that effort, all of that work, all of that love and grace and mercy and proclamation of forgiveness and kindness, yes, today the kingdom of God has come near. And the gospel writer invites us to take a moment and relish this triumph, this moment of success, this moment where the light bulb comes on and the penny drops and the learning happens. This moment, the kingdom of God has come near. What an appropriate reading for this time and this space. You know, a few weeks ago, though, in the New York Times, the writer Adam Grant wrote an article with the title, There's a name for the blah that you're feeling. It's called languishing. And the article unpacks so much about being cooped up in isolation and then being set free and then being scared about variants and then having hope with a booster vaccine and then those stops and starts that have affected our moods and sucked out our hope at times and at times have given us these unexplainable feelings that we're like, well, I'm not really depressed, but I don't know what I'm feeling. We don't always know what comes next. And this article spoke to me, and I'm sure spoke to many of you, because we have experienced these emotions and they are very real. And we have experienced a time in our lives of this, this property or this feeling or this emotion called languishing. It has been real. 
But in every good narrative, in every story we can tell about ourselves, in every good narrative, there is a counter-narrative. One that the people of Trinity have done their best to cultivate. We have excelled in staying in the game and pushed forward to believe in the hope of a brighter future. Our counter-narrative is what the facts are, what we have actually done. What we have done is committed to one another that we are in this life, in this church, in this world, and on this journey of faith together. Our community has walked, walked hard to keep people connected for the last 19 months or so. But besides being connected, then we've decided boldly that we would continue the call of our ministries in many ways in which the ways that we love our neighbors as ourselves. We did this through feeding programs, like being someone so innovative that we decided that children at Garfield School over the summer were not getting enough to eat. So what did we do? We set up a food pantry. Then we invited other churches and other agencies to join us. And now we have a full-time food pantry not only set up at Garfield, we're setting one up at Dunbar School as well. Then we've also got our benevolence fund, where we just on a whim said, you know, people are going to need our help. Let's create something in a way that we can help people. And our benevolence fund has literally rescued people from the brink of economic collapse. And through our community of hope, our group of wonderful um, ministers of people who have um, trained and then, and then go and visit people pastorally when they need our help through telecare, through many people who've reached out on the phone to you, through gathering for book clubs and our Sunday morning Bible study and our weekday Bible studies. And then we have quilters who are quilting these beautiful quilts and then they produce these wonderful products of their labor and they give them to people in distress. And then we have a wonderful group here, a wonderful core team that's planning to host some of the most meaningful events for our neighbors experiencing homelessness around Thanksgiving and Christmas time this year. And we've come back not only to that second part of the commandment of loving our neighbors of our, as ourselves, we've also come into that first part of that great commandment. We have loved God, God wholly with all our hearts, minds, and strengths through our offering of weekly beautiful art and music, including next week's Evensong that's on Sunday at 4 p.m. And as an aside, we need you to help. So if you can sign up to be one of our acolytes at Evensong out in the art gallery, there is a sign-up sheet. And I invite you, even if you've never done this before, we will be happy to train you please sign up to help. It is an absolutely extraordinary experience of an offering of prayer by our choir and by the people who attend to God. Absolutely transformative. And we've come back in another way by loving God with all our hearts, by reviving our education for ministry course, and by getting a prestigious grant from a foundation in Atlanta, and starting a new outreach program for the gender expansive community. We've come back to God and are thoughtfully looking inward at our past and inviting a new blessing of, from God for our future to look inside of ourselves and to see how God has redeemed us, redeemed us in everything. We think about it in our personal lives, 
from the loneliness of the pandemic, from the grief that we've experienced from those that we know who died of COVID, to see our redemption and how God has invited us to love one another in a new way, with a new appreciation and respect for the blessings of being together as the people of Trinity right here, right now, as we work to live into the light of Jesus's grace and Jesus's healing and Jesus's forgiveness. If we stop and we take a moment to really look at how our lives have played out over the past 19 months, we see these gifts of God given to us, the people of God, over and over and over again. They've been given to us tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold over, and if we stop and think about all of them, we might just be struck by overwhelming gratitude. The overwhelming gratitude of all that God has done. The scribe got it right in today's reading, and if we really look inside ourselves, we get it too. God has literally given us everything that we need through one another, through our own thoughts and prayers, through the help that we've received from others, and through our own faith to see hope, light, and love, even in the midst of appalling times of trial. And we see this light and love, and we recognize it. We recognize it for what it is, a gift, an abundant gift, a gift that never ends. It's a free gift from God. And these gifts from God are not going to end, and so our response is gratitude. And many of us give back in gratitude and commit to living a life of gratitude in so many ways. And to that end, the people of Trinity are inviting you during this stewardship season to give back to Jesus' light and love and healing and comfort with the spirit of gratitude that helps us all see that everything that we've been given is God's. And that as Trinity makes plans for 2022, that we as the people here on Roosevelt Street, that we make plans to pledge, to promise part of our abundance to Trinity so that we together can have the next year build on all that we've done in the past so that we can build on that love that we've shared in the good times and in the tough times and in these innovative, creative, imaginative things that we've come at even in the midst of a very difficult time. Our stewardship season invites us to give thoughtfully, proportionally, as much of our abundance as we're able to make a promise pledge a statement of intent that in 2022, I will offer blank of my abundance to the mission and ministry of Trinity. Some of us might have to start really small, something regular, continuous, but something doable. I know that when I first started pledging to my church when I was 22 years old, I gave as much as I could, but it probably amounted to about half of a percent of my total income. It was what I could do, but I loved my church 
and I was happy to do it. I loved giving to it. And every year I tried for a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And my goal was to get to a place where I could eventually offer a tithe, 10% of what I had to God, because everything that I had came from God. It wasn't easy. I had to do a lot of workarounds. I had to really reorder some things. But by the time that I came to Trinity eight years ago, I was ready and willing to offer 10% of my earnings. And each and every year, I've set a goal for myself to add a little bit more and add a little bit more and a little bit more. And I do so not out of obligation, but out of love and sheer gratitude. And I haven't missed it because I give out of love, out of love for a God who has carried us out of this valley of the shadow of death into a new light for this ministry of Jesus that makes us imagine and create a, a ministry that brings us new hope for this hundred-year-old cathedral that we know is going to last into another hundred years and beyond. Giving out of this inspiration of the Holy Spirit that breathes new life into our labors, new life into our music, into our art, into our worship, fellowship, and service, and it inspires us to dream bigger dreams, greater dreams, more imaginative ministries, and recognize that we, like the scribe, are living on that edge living on that edge of the kingdom of God being very near to us. And with all our hard work and gratitude and generosity, that kingdom of God keeps getting closer and closer and closer to us every day. Learning new things might be hard, but giving out of our hearts, out of our abundance, and out of our gratitude is easy. We enter into a new worldview. One generous gesture, one generous action, one annual promise at a time. I know some of you are getting calls from wonderful people who are helping us reach out. They're just verifying that you have received the stewardship packets. But I'm here right now inviting you to pray about this to realize how much God has blessed you, to realize how the kingdom of God has come near to you here at Trinity and how Christ invites us to stop and see how far we have come. Trinity's been through so many ups and downs in our 100-year history, but we're here committed to our mission and ministry. The people of Trinity, alongside Christ himself, invite you to draw near to God's kingdom. And it starts, like Jesus said, by loving your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and by loving your neighbors as yourselves. We can do this. We can abide in love and reside in gratitude and let the kingdom of God draw nearer to us each and every day. Learning new things is hard, but giving out of joy and gratitude is easy. One generous gesture, one generous action, one annual promise at a time. Trinity 
needs you.